Well, let's welcome back Coach Bruton. Coach, are there team updates for us? Uh, not, not big updates. You know, we're getting ready for Benedictine and another big game against uh, a quality opponent, you know, a team that we haven't uh, beaten since 2018. So, uh, you know, we're certainly motivated to uh, to go down and play, you know, a really good team. And um, that's about it. You know, we have a big uh, community service event we do every year on Friday. We help out at, at one of the local elementary schools for their Halloween night. So, um, happens to be the elementary school that, that my kids go to. So, really exciting for, for my two kids to see the players there and kind of be the cool kids at, at school when they uh, they know all the football players. But um, really excited for that. Our guys really like getting around young kids and, and just being able to give back. So that's going to be a cool opportunity on Friday night. And then we get ready for uh, you know, an early trip on Saturday morning. Well, let's talk about the victory last week. Very, very interesting victory for the team. So your thoughts on that contest? Yeah, I wouldn't call it interesting. I, w- I would call it ugly uh, more than anything else. You know, we uh, – our defense just bailed us out. Um, defensive special teams, really. You know, we've been all out of sorts offensively. Um, just, just haven't been, haven't been clicking. You know, we we played two games in a row in, in pretty extreme windy conditions, and it's really hurt our passing game. And, and you know, I've been a little bit conservative. Um, you know, we tried to get our run game going, and we just haven't been consistent running the ball. And you know, just just a really, really ugly win on the offense side of the ball. You know, on the other side, our defense. Um, just played really, really hard and, and made plays and constantly kind of um, answered the bell and got stops. And, and then we were fortunate. We, you know, we made a couple big plays on special teams. And um, our punt unit, which we really struggled with our punt unit early in the year, has really improved. And, and Ben Garcia did a great job punting the ball. We had, I think, three inside the 20, two of them inside the five, which were huge, huge plays for us. Um, Got a couple safeties on their punt unit. You know, they they were struggling to snap the ball with the the windy conditions and um, just kind of hung on. You know, again, it wasn't pretty, but it was a win and it was an important win for our program just to kind of get back on track. Well, let's talk about that defense for a moment because it seems like with each week they've just gotten better and better and probably the most complete defensive performance I've seen from the group this year. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the, the impressive thing was we. Uh, you know, we didn't really know going in who was going to play. You know, all three starting linebackers, um, you know, probably start the week were probably questionable at best with some injuries, um, you know, maybe doubtful potentially. And, um, you know, they, they kind of found a way and, and uh, ended up by, by like Thursday, Friday, we're looking a little bit better and, and, you know, said, you know, it wasn't until Friday we knew they were going to play. Um, on the back end, you know, we were missing, you know, obviously um, Justin McMahon has been, has been out. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of out for the year with an injury. Uh, but then we had two more starters, you know, uh, Marquise Collins at corner didn't play. Andrew Reddit, our starting strong safety didn't play. Um, you know, so we were starting, I think five freshmen on defense and and for that unit to just play the way they did, you know, knowing the guys that were out, kind of knowing the situations, we were shuffling pieces in the secondary, um, just so impressive with how they played and, and, um, Again, they just continue to get better week in and week out. Coach Lato and his staff is doing an outstanding job um, getting them ready every week. And then we have guys that are just consistently improving. You know, a kid like uh, Shimon Oliver, um, you know, Mond had, a, had an incredible game. Uh, but he's been a guy that, you know, as a first-year starter, it's just getting better every week and um, really had a great game, kind of put it all together. But But a guy that, again, you know, I think going into the year, we thought could be a good player for us, thought he had a chance to be a starter. Uh, but he's exceeded all of our expectations. And, and now, you know, the ceiling on the type of player he can be has really really been raised quite a bit. 
Second straight week that Robbie had a little bit of a tough performance for you. Any concern on your part at this point? Um, not, uh, he left the game with an injury uh, in the third quarter, so that that's pretty much the main concern. And uh, you know, not sure when he'll be back. Um, and that, that's really the main concern. You know, he ran the ball effectively. You know, again in, in the windy conditions, uh, didn't throw it as well as, as we would like. Um, you know, we probably weren't as aggressive as we should have been in play calling. You know, they they really gave us some some six-man uh, run fits, some seven-man run fits at times, and, and we probably in some of those situations should have been throwing the ball a little bit more. Uh, so that set us back a little bit. Um, but I, he's going to be fine. You know, I think the injury is really the main thing right now and just trying to get him healthy and, and uh, you know, hopefully get him back in the lineup at some point is, is the hope. But, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of an injury, and, and like I said, that, that kind of caused him to, to leave the game and, you know, kind of offensively kind of set us back a little bit. You know, we, uh, we moved the ball in the first half. We just didn't finish drives. Um, you know, didn't have the ball as much. They had, they had a couple long drives, a couple long possessions. I think they had a 17-play drive in the first half. Um, but then when he went out, it kind of, it kind of set us back. And, and, you know, we got to get just more rhythm offensively. And uh, it's certainly not just him. It's, you know, our receivers have got to be better. we we got to be better up front. Uh, we haven't run the ball effectively. So it's just uh, really in the, in the last couple of weeks, our offense just hasn't been hasn't been clicking, and, and we got to figure it out. And, and uh, we've had a good week of practice, and, you know, hopefully we'll be uh, hopefully we'll be better on Saturday. Players you wanted to recognize from this week's game? Yeah, I think uh, I'll start special teams wise. You know, I thought um, you know Ben Garcia uh, punting the ball was really really good. And, and like I said earlier, that's a unit that we we struggled with early in the year. We struggled just with the whole operation, the snap, um, catching the snap, you know, getting the kickoff, covering the kick. Uh, and that unit is really improved. I thought Marshall Hobbs has been our long snapper. He's a freshman. And he, he's battled some injuries and um, just hasn't been as consistent as we've wanted him to be throughout the year, but was really good in, in some windy conditions on Saturday and is really getting better and has worked hard at it. Um, so really happy to see him kind of see the results. Um, you know, Parker Giese, um, you know, has been kind of our, our number one cover guy, and he's the guy um, – he downed two punts, one of them at the one-yard line. He recovered a fumble on a punt on, on, a, on kind of a muff situation. Um, and he's a guy, a sophomore uh, defensive back for us, who doesn't play a ton with our defense but has a huge role in our team because of the way he attacks special teams. And uh, just excited for him. And you know, I thought Leo kicked the ball well. We had um, you know two touchbacks with our kickoff unit. One of them he put pretty much through the end zone, which was really impressive with the win. So, you know, those two guys really I call them the Garcia brothers you know they're not they're not related at all but um, freshman kicker and punter they, they've really improved and are really doing a nice job for us and they're guys that are just going to continue to get better so so really excited about those two guys this week you take on Benedictine a team that has been a strong powerhouse in the conference but struggling a little bit this season so how do you feel about this matchup at this point yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they've been one of the uh, one of the top programs in the conference for for a long time. You know, really consistently for probably the last decade. Um, you know, I think this year, you know, down a little bit. I, I, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, they, they've had a couple tough matches. So they played uh, CUW a couple weeks ago. It, it was you know two weeks ago, and we, same week we played WLC. Um, they played them up here in, in Wisconsin, and, and the weather again was was pretty nasty that day, just with the wind and things like that. And, um, then they played Aurora, and, and you know you kind of look at those two games, and and um, you know the the Aurora game obviously got away from them, but but Aurora's been kind of doing that to everybody, and you, know, you kind of look at conference results, and you kind of throw away the Aurora results a little bit as far as you know kind of measuring stick games for teams, and 
you know, I think they're um, defensively very strong. I think their D-line's very good, two good linebackers. Um, you know, they're, they're well coached. You know, offensively, they're probably not as explosive as they've been in the past, but they're running the ball really effectively. Um, you know, they're playing two quarterbacks and kind of, kind of, you know, shuffling those guys in and out and I think trying to find kind of the right mix. And you know, they graduated one of the best quarterbacks our conference has seen. You know, and you got a guy that's been that guy for three or four years and now you're trying to replace him. You know, we've been there before when, when Michael left and when Tez left and things like that. Um, it's hard. So I, I think they haven't really found their rhythm quite yet offensively. Uh, but they're still really dangerous, still a very good team. And, and for us, it's kind of a measuring stick game. You know, again, I said we haven't beaten them since 2018. Uh, if you kind of look at our schedule, we've kind of beaten the teams that we beat last year. And, you know, for us to kind of take a step and, and feel better about how this year turns out, we have to beat some of these other teams. And, and we get chances with Benedictine, we get a chance with Aurora down the line. Um, but this one becomes a big one for us and kind of resetting the, the the narrative on our season. So I'm really excited for us to go down and play. I'm excited that we got the win last week to have a little momentum going into this game. Um, and, and I think it's going to be one of those games that's going to be decided again in the fourth quarter, um, like a lot of our conference games have been so far. Well, let's talk about that passing game for them, because as you mentioned, it has not been as strong as they've had in years past. And I would gather by the way that your defense is playing right now, you've really got to feel pretty comfortable about your matching up against their passing attack. Yeah, like I said, I think Coach Lato's done a great job, done a great job of mixing up some blitz schemes, mixing up coverages, and he's put our guys in some really good positions and, um, you know, our, our pass defense has been good. Our secondary has been good. Um, we're going to have a couple of those guys back this week, which is exciting, getting some guys back from injury. And, um, you know, we've created some depth, at, at, you know, on the back end just with some guys playing earlier in the year, maybe earlier than we expect them to play, but, but have played and played well. Um, you know, for us, I still think it's going to come down to Saturday and stopping the run. You know, I think Benedictine wants to play at a little slower pace, obviously a slower pace than we want to play at. They want to control the clock. They're going to want to run the ball. Um, we're going to have to stop the run. We feel like we can get them in some third down situations. We, we feel like we match up well, uh, but that's going to be the key. I, I think the key is going to be more how do we stop their run game? How does our, our young D lineman hold up? Um, if we do that, you know, again, I think we can have some success defensively, but, um, you know, with the way they play, with, with their tempo and their pace, you know, it's probably going to be one of those games that we're going to have fewer possessions on both sides, you know, so the results, the red zone efficiency becomes really important. Um, the third down efficiency becomes really important because you know, they can go on a on a five or six minute drive and then offensively, you know, if if we don't convert a third down, you know, our defense could be back in the field and they can snowball on you a little bit. Um, so it's got to be really good on, on both sides of the ball in, the, in those kind of third down red zone efficiency areas as well. Now, one of the interesting things I look at Benedictine is only giving up five sacks this season. Uh, obviously their offensive line is playing very well for them, but they're not getting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks either. So if you, in a matchup where both offensive lines should have some success here, do you feel like that, that you're kind of the better team in that area? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, our, our offensive line has, has really been a work in progress. You know, we've played a lot of guys. We've shuffled a lot of pieces. We've had injuries. Um, and that's an area that, you know, offensively we really need to improve. We, we haven't been nearly as consistent on the offensive line as we hope to be and as we thought we'd be. Um, I think their defensive line is, is good. Um, you know, Pritt especially, um, the one defense end, he's got six sacks on the season. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a nice player. They, they, they got a freshman defense on the other side I think really plays hard. And the other interior guys, they just don't bring a ton of pressure defensively. You know, they primarily – 
um, they'll play a three and four man front, but they, they're not a team that pressures with their linebackers a lot, you know. So you're going to see a three and four man rush. So uh, you know, you hope that without the extra bodies in the in the rush game that that, that we can protect, um, and that's going to be a key for us is, is just keeping our quarterbacks clean and, and giving us time to throw and, and things like that. And on the other side, that you know, they have a big offensive line. Um, it, it's a good offensive line. They've always been been well coached and, and good up front. So. Um, you know, that's going to be the key. I think our, our defensive line, our defensive front six versus their offensive line, both in the pass game but also in the run game, is going to be a huge key. And uh, we'll see how we match up. You know, that's always been the area that I think you know, we've always felt like we can match up with, with almost anybody at the skill positions. For, for years, we've always said that. It's always been up front that we've said, like, you know, when we've been very, very good, we've matched up very good um, on, on, at the line of scrimmage. In the years we haven't been as good, we haven't been. Um, quite as effective at the line of scrimmage. So it'll be another big test for our defense, and um, you know, we'll see on Saturday how we match up. Well, let's jump into fan questions this week. We'll start with Dan, who says, being an old defensive coordinator, you must have been loving a 17-9 victory. I would have preferred to be 70-9, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I was really, really proud of our defense, how they play. Our defense just plays really hard, you know, and they play for each other, and um, – they picked us up, you know, the last couple of weeks a ton. You know, they've gotten um, gotten the stops when we needed it. They, they created a bunch of turnovers on Saturday, which w- was really good to see. And um, just excited for them. Excited to see, you know, how many young guys were playing and how well they're playing defensively. And, and just excited to see what that means for the future as well. You know, that, that group, um, you know, we have the potential to bring back 10 starters from that group next year. And that's exciting. You know, and with a bunch of those guys being potentially fourth and fifth-year guys, um, it, it's a deep group. It's a group that plays, like I said, really hard, and, and just excited for the job that uh, that Coach Lado and his group, his you know, his staff is doing on defense because they're doing an outstanding job. Coach Woodson with our DBs, Coach Yurick with our D line, and um, you know, they're doing an outstanding job. So really happy for them and proud of what, the work they're putting in. Next up, we have Paul who would like to know what percentage of freshmen that commit to coming to play for you do you believe came to Lakeland because a previous player or family member was associated as one of your former players. Um, that's that, you know, it's a tough question. I don't, I don't know that. You know, maybe twenty percent would be just kind of a, a rough guess at it. Um, you know, I think it's it's more, you know, not necessarily a family member or, or you know something like that. Sometimes it's just, hey, there was a guy from my high school that played there in the past, or. Um, my high school coach knows someone who played there. So, so you see some of that. You know, really it's more um, the relationships that they build with our current team during the recruiting process. So when guys come on a visit, now with social media, our, our guys are so much more connected. You know, our recruits are coming to campus or, or not coming to campus, and they're connecting with our players on, on Twitter or on Instagram or different social media platforms. Um, so they're really getting a feel for the guys that they're going to be playing with. Um, and, and that's that's awesome. It's exciting. Um, and then we'll always have guys that you know, like, like a guy like uh, Hassan Rivers, you know, whose brother obviously played here, and um, or, or guys that had a, an uncle that played here. You know, Robbie's dad played here um, back in the mid '90s. You know, for a year. And, and there, there's some guys that have relationships with Lakeland through different pathways, um, through different connections. You know, whether it be a, a former. You know, a parent or a brother or a cousin, but also it's a high school coach, it's a teacher, it's somebody that has a connection to Lakeland that says, hey, this could be a good fit for you. And I don't think that's any different than, than most places. I, I think there's, um, 
recruiting is all about relationships, and it's about uh, finding the people that you trust um, that, that say, hey, this is a good place, this could be a good place for you, and then also finding the, the people that are currently here and saying, hey, these are people that I, I want to do this with, you know, because you're going to spend a ton of time as a college athlete with your, your um, teammates and also with your coaches, and they have to be people that you want to, again, kind of, we say, do life with for the next four years. You know, you're, you're spending so much time together, there has to be that trust and that camaraderie, and our players do a great job in the recruiting process of building that, um, you know, with the incoming guys. I have a few questions for you from Justin. The first is, he says, you've mentioned the freshman class was bigger, was one of the bigger ones for you guys. What approach did you and your staff take to bring in so many kids? Yeah, a huge part of that credit uh, goes to Coach Lato. So he's our recruiting coordinator. Uh, he, he's, he's an animal when it comes to recruiting. He, just, he gets after it and really does a great job building relationships. And um, our players love playing for him. Um, but he does a great job in recruiting, and he kind of he kind of spearheads those efforts. And for us, it was important. You know, last year we talked a lot. We just didn't have the depth that we needed. Um, you know, both in, in quantity of depth, but also quality of depth. And uh, really, you know, put put a huge effort in place to try to uh, just build the roster. You know, build it in numbers, build it in, in quality depth. I think I've mentioned before. You know, we were really excited about the freshman group. Um, in terms of numbers, you know, thought we had some some good quality guys coming in, uh, but it's even exceeded our expectations. You know, there's uh, a number of guys in this group that are going to be all conference level players. You know, potentially all region type players down the line. Um, there's some guys that, that you haven't heard mentioned yet um, that that are really progressing in practice that are going to be really good players at some point here. And um, you know, starters down the line. You know, all conference level players down the line. So. It's a really exciting group, uh, but, but Coach Lato deserves a ton of the credit for that. Like I said, he um, he becomes kind of the head coach of recruiting when we get to that point. And, um, you know, I do a lot of the work when guys get on campus and kind of building the relationship with them and, and selling, um, you know, what our program vision is and things like that. Um, but, but Coach Lato and, and the rest of the staff as well, you know, is building those connections before we get the guys to campus. That's, that's really important. He also says, he says, your special teams has really seemed to improve since the beginning of the season. What changes have you made in preparation that led to these improvements? Yeah, we, we've spent more time and more energy on special teams than we have at, at any point in my coaching career. You know, we're starting um, every practice now after we go through kind of our, our teach periods where we um, kind of kind of walk through. It's kind of a walk-through period. You know, we go immediately from, from teach period to special teams every day and um, we spend a lot of time and focus on it. Um, you know, part of it is that we have some of those young guys that, w- that we were just talking about have developed. You know, I think first game they they probably weren't quite ready to be on those units. It was a, it was a shock. You know, the speed and the physicality of running down on a kickoff unit. And now those guys are very comfortable doing that. So uh, that's been part of it. Um, but it's really just been a, a constant focus on on special teams and. You know, you look and, and maybe we didn't put enough emphasis on it early in like preseason camp, and, and maybe need to look at that. You know, when we when we talk about um, kind of next year, but really it's just been it's been a focus, and we've talked about it a ton, and we've been very honest with our guys about how um, special teams were were dis- you know let us down. They were disappointing early in the year, and uh, it went from being kind of a, a weakness to now it's become more of a strength for our program, and that's a huge huge addition. Um, you know, we feel more comfortable punting the ball last week than we did early in the year you know and we trusted those guys and, and they came through and, and that that's big um you know a really big uh turnaround for the program okay you better get your thinking cap on this one 
because Justin asked, he says, you've had so many really special football teams during your tenure. If you could take any year's offense you've had and combine it with any year's defense that you've had to make a super team, which ones would you choose? Yeah, I think um, offensively, it would it would probably be 2017. Um, it would either be 2017 or 2021, but I, I probably would go 2017. Um, you know, we we had a, a really special group. Obviously, Witt was a, a senior quarterback. Um, Desmore, senior receiver. Alane Gardner, senior receiver. Jody Harrison, senior receiver. Um, we were good up front. Jonah Carlson kind of led that offensive line and was a really good group. Um, I think we finished second in the country in total offense with that group. Um, so that that would probably be the offense. You know, the 2021 offense was great as well, but I, I probably would go 2017, just a slight um, slight nod ahead. And then defensively, it'd be 2014. Um, our, our 2014 defense was was loaded at, at all three levels, and um, you know, finished top ten in the country in almost almost every category, and had great D line play. Um, you know, Freddie Fielding and, and Romaine Johnson, a linebacker, were, were, were two animals. And then on the back end, we could play. Uh, man coverage, we could play zone coverage. Um, you know, Dewan Darling, Kevin Lewis, um, Dante Rall, Landon Dergner. I mean, it, it was a really, really talented secondary and, and just a really complete, um, complete group. And you know, that 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 kind of unit. Um, you know, in twenty in twenty fourteen, we were a playoff level defense. We weren't a playoff level offense. Um, and then you know, in twenty fifteen, Witt became the starting quarterback, and, and that's when it kind of came together. The defense was still very good. wasn't quite at the level of 2014, but very good. But the offense that jumped from 2014 to 2015 was, was enormous, and that's when we kind of kind of took the next step and became a playoff team and won the conference for a couple years, you know, three years in a row and had a great run with that group. Good answer. Next up was Trent, who says, Aurora nearly knocked out St. John's, I believe, in the playoffs last season. Could you see them winning their first round game and maybe even making it into the final eight? Yeah, so that, that was actually two year, uh, three years ago now with the St. John's game. Um, you know, last year they went to Whitewater and beat Whitewater in the first round. They went to Alma in the second round and beat Alma. I mean, they they are very very good, uh, very good. And we saw them, um, seen them on film a decent amount. You know, they beat uh, Concordia Chicago a couple weeks ago, ninety one to nothing, and. Um, Honestly, they, they looked a little disinterested, um, a little bored at times in that game. Um, you know, you turn on the film against them, against Benedictine, that's a big rivalry game. And you can you can see that Aurora was up to play that game. And um, they, they just looked like they were playing at a different speed. Um, and that's kind of been you know, what they've looked like in the conference so far. Is it looks like they're playing at a different speed than everybody else in the conference right now. And um, they're incredibly talented. Uh, they're very, very uh, mature as a team. They have a bunch of fifth-year guys. Um, you know, it's a really, really talented group. I, I think they're. Um, you know, I have a vote in the the AFCA uh, American Football Coaches Association top twenty-five, and um, I've had them in the top ten the whole year, um, or just outside the top ten early in the year. The, you know, most of the year inside the top ten. I think I have them seventh or something right now, and I think they're good enough to. You know, it's certainly good enough to to win a couple playoff games and. You know, be in that mix as the final eight or final four. Even um, you know, I think they're they're really good. I think the interesting thing for them is going to be to see what happens when they really get challenged in, in a playoff type game because they haven't been 
really challenged all year. You know, they played a couple of games in, in non-conference against Hope and Franklin that were fairly tight. Uh, they were kind of in control, but within a couple scores and um, in the conference, they just have not been challenged yet. So it's it's hard, I think, to go seven, eight, nine weeks without really being challenged and have to flip that switch in a, in a tight game. So, you know, that might be the the one thing that, that uh, you know, we'll have to see how they react when they're in that one score game late. But they've been really impressive, and, and they are uh, they're damn good. Next up is Trey, who says, both the 49ers and Eagles lost last week. Which do you think was the bigger loss of the two? Um, you know, I, I think probably the Eagles. I, I think the 49ers have been a little bit more impressive throughout the year. Um, I think San Francisco go, traveling to Cleveland, you know, playing in some weather. They, they lost McCaffrey and Debo. Um, looks like that, it doesn't sound like those are going to be long-term injuries. But I think that a little bit more of a, um, you know, kind of a schedule-type loss, you know, you, you kind of see it coming. And Cleveland's very good defensively, and um, they lost tight game. You know, San Francisco could have hit the field goal. Uh, Philly just seems a little bit off. They Offensively, they just seem a little bit off. They're not running the ball as effectively the last couple weeks. Um, you know, Hurts turned it over a few times. They just seem a little bit off. They, you know, they've won some close games early in the schedule. Um, so they seem like the team that's a little bit more fortunate to be 5-1 and one or 6-1, and one, whatever they are. And San Francisco looks like pretty dominant team that, that maybe got tripped up by the schedule a little more than anything else. Next up, we have Derek, who says, talk some baseball with us, Coach. Who gets to the World Series and who wins it all? Um, I'm going to say Phillies, Rangers. Obviously, it's, uh, you know, the, the teams that are leading in the series, the Phillies have looked awesome and, and then really fun to watch. Um, I don't watch a ton of, I'm a White Sox fan, and the White Sox are about as bad as the Bears, so wasn't a real fun year to watch the White Sox, uh, so I haven't watched a ton of baseball this year, but um, catching a little bit of the playoff games, just, just watching Philly and that atmosphere at home, I don't know that there's a real home field advantage generally in baseball, but but with Philly, there really seems like there is, and um, they're just mashing, you know, Harper and Castellano and Schwarber and um, Turner, like that, uh, that lineup is just is just seeing the ball really well right now, and, and obviously hitting a ton of home runs, so... I think Philly would be my pick to win it. They just seem like the most complete team right now. So I'll go Phillies, Rangers. Um, again, I think baseball is such a crapshoot. You know, Atlanta was so good all year, and I think was was pretty clearly the best team. I you know they they won the division by ten or twelve or fifteen games over Philadelphia, and then gets the playoffs, and it looks like the two teams flipped. Um, so it's a little more of a crapshoot than other sports. But right now, I think with the way they're playing, I'll take I'll take the Phillies. Next up, we have Harold who would like to know. Does coconut belong in candy bars? No. Hard, hard no. I'm not a coconut fan. A hard no. George says, based upon your comments from last week, I wonder if you were a burning poop on the doorstep or a doorbell ditching kind of guy as a kid. Uh, the the burning poop, no. Uh, we did have some, uh, definitely had some days where uh, where ding-dong ditching was a thing. You know, that, that I think... Uh, Kids, kids nowadays, you know, with the ring doorbells and all the different stuff going on, like you, you, you kind of lost some of that ability to do some of that stuff. But I can remember, you know, a few sleepovers at, at friends' house and like the, you know, probably like the early junior high days where we'd go out and, and, and cause a ruckus in the neighborhood and do some ding dong ditching and things like that. So had a few of those days, a few of those nights. Um, but yeah, not uh, not nearly as much anymore with, uh, you know, with, with uh, kind of the ring doorbells and and things like that. 
Byron would like to know, are you genuinely afraid of cats, or is that something you use to kind of poke fun at yourself? No, I'm, I am 100% terrified. I mean, it is uh, extreme, extreme phobia. Um, it, it's it's not good. It's there, there's no joking around. Um, if I'm if I'm near a cat, if I was in a room with a cat, it would be about as terrifying a situation as I can be in. So, um, you know, give me a guy with a gun over a guy with a kitten. I guess this would be my answer. Shauna says, Coach, there are Christmas Christmas items already out at the stores. I know you have to be railing against this. Yeah, it's a little premature. We got to, you know, we got to, uh, we got to bide our time. We got to give Halloween its, its due. Um, you know, I've spoken. I'm not, a, I'm not a monster Thanksgiving guy, but it, it's a little early. You know, I know uh, my kids are already making their Christmas lists and stuff like that, and it's, it's just gets get get a little out of control. You know, my daughter's got, she's five. She's got the toy catalog. I don't know why she makes a list because she circles everything in the catalog. Um, so literally anything, anything is what she wants. Um, so I don't know why she makes the list, but it, but again, yeah, it's a little, little out of control at this point. And what are our words of wisdom for the week? Yeah, I'm actually uh, going to go a little, little lighthearted, and, and uh, we just talked about ding dong ditching, and, and I want we talked about pranks and uh, last week a little bit, and I, I want to give give the uh, listeners kind of a better option to the ding-dong ditch, and it's the potato knock. And, and what you're going to do is uh, you, you got to find a house that has, um, you know, a door that opens outward. So usually it's a screen door. You're going to take a, a hanger, um, preferably one of the, uh, the, the, the metal hangers that you can, you can pull, and you're going to pull that thing down, and you're going to jam a potato on the end of it. Uh, and then you're going to take some fishing line and tie it to the hanger. You hang the hanger on the doorknob, you go across the street with a fishing line, and you pull back, and you let go, and you let the, the potato bang that door pretty good. It makes a loud noise. Uh, it allows you to be, you know, 100 feet away from the, uh, the door when the person opens it, and they open the door, they find nobody there, and, and no one really thinks to look to see if there's a hanger with a potato on the door. So, um, you know, kids, if you're listening, if you want a good prank, you know, find somebody that's got that screen door that's going to open out, and go potato knock, and you'll have a great time. You're not gonna, uh, you know, you're not gonna be on the ring camera sitting there, and uh, and and you can have some fun with it. So that's my words of wisdom to uh, anyone that wants to cause some shenanigans this Halloween season. I like it, <laughs> Coach Bruton. Thanks for joining us this week. Hey, thanks, Rob. Always fun.